With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome back to Unformidable, episode number 36, where we take a look at some of the less heralded myths in our beloved franchise's quirky history, as every player who dons the orange and blue is, in their own way, unformidable. So welcome back. It's been a long time coming to get back behind the mic here. It's been a long, crazy time in New York and the world, and who would have ever thought that not having baseball would be about the 10,000th or millionth problem that we would all have. After suffering through just a fraction of the health and misery issues that my many fellow New Yorkers and tri-state area people have been, I'm happy to just go ahead and do the unformidable episode I was planning to do about a month ago, which was very spring training centric. And I like to do theme appropriate unformidable episodes, but 
there's really nothing theme appropriate I can think of and no pandemic related baseball analogies I can discuss. And of course, if we even get baseball this year, I imagine we'll have to have some kind of spring training or summer training or whatever we'll call it. But my plan as spring training wound down was to celebrate our if you're a follower of Amazing Avenue, uh, you're perhaps a follower or fan of our annual King of Spring training series. And I wanted to take that opportunity to acknowledge someone I like to think of as the original Mets King of Spring training. Perhaps Mets fans with even longer memories than I might have might have an even better suggestion. But for me, the King of Spring training is, was, and always will be Darren Reed. If you remember the name, you're likely following the Mets rather zealously in the late 80s, or at least closely enough to care about spring training results. As I mentioned in one of our first unformidable podcasts on David West, the late 80s was a halcyon time when the Mets, at least to young me, had the seemed to have a devil magic, or I thought of it as angel magic, that we currently attribute to just the Yankees and the Cardinals, where I actually expected everything to work out. And I just assumed that acquiring Darren Reed would be another in a line of brilliant Met acquisition development items that would lead to the continuation of this late 80s juggernaut that we were clearly building and would never, ever end. None of that proved to be true, but Darren Reed had some memorable moments in Met uniform, even if most of them took place in March. Just for a little background, Darren Douglas Reed was born October 16th, 1965, in Ojai, California. Or is that Ojai? I don't know. O-J-A-I. I've driven past it, don't know how to pronounce it. Anyway, he was drafted by the Oakland Athletics in the 10th round of the 1984 January draft, uh, did not sign, and was drafted by the New York Yankees in the third round of the June draft. His 85 and 86 seasons in the minors were pretty standard, but at age 21, in his third year in the minors in 1987, he really tore it up in mostly AA Albany Colony and also at AAA Columbus, over the course of that season in 1987, Darren Reed slugged 975, an OPS of 975. Pardon me, he didn't slug 975. That would have been... He probably wouldn't have gotten traded at that point. Uh, but he put up an OPS of 975 across AA and AAA with 28 homers and 95 RBIs, over 549 plate appearances. And lest you think he feasted on AA only... When he call, was called up to Columbus late in the season, he was even better at AAA, hitting eight homers in 86 plate appearances. So in the 1987 offseason, it was not without a modicum of excitement that on December 11th, 1987, the Mets acquired Darren Reed, along with Steve Fry and Phil Lombardi, from their crosstown rival New York Yankees for minor leaguer Victor Garcia, and at the time, the most notable name in the trade, and I guess looking at major league careers, the actual most notable name in the trade, Rafael Santana, starting shortstop for the 86 world champions. Prospects, of course, weren't 
obsessively followed in that period of time the way they are today, I don't believe. But Reed was certainly gaining notice, and in fact, in the New York Times article in December of 87 discussing the rare trade between the two New York Major League franchises, it did note that the boss, George Steinbrenner, was quite concerned that Reed would become a slugger for his new team, the crosstown rivals that had eclipsed his petty little Bronx Bombers in the 80s. At the time, to me, it felt like just another savvy Met move, dealing from power with young Kevin Elster ready to take over full-time at shortstop and sending away a light-hitting shortstop who was often replaced late in the game for offense, even in that 86 playoff run. And if you're thinking, you know, you're not going to get a valuable prospect for a light-hitting shortstop like that, well, you know, just before the 1987 season, we parlayed backup catcher Ed Hearn into David Cohn. So yes, I had a probably not justified level of cockiness that our front office was smarter than even the New York Yankee front office, and that surely Darren Reed was going to be a star. Reed had decent speed to go with his power and was also known for an incredible outfield arm. He seemed like a quintessential potential five-tool player, an early Alex Ochoa, if you will. And now that I've said that name, I really need to do an unformidable on Alex Ochoa one day. But for a young outfield prospect joining an organization that at the time had Kevin McReynolds, Daryl Strawberry, Lenny Dykstra, Mookie Wilson, and Lee Mazzilli on the MLB roster had to be a bit daunting. So 1988 would be Reed's first year in the Met organization, and coincidentally would be the year that the Mets opened their spring training complex in Port St. Lucie, Florida. And Darren Reed took to Port St. Lucie right away. In fact, between 1988 and 1991 in spring training, Reed batted 337 with seven home runs and 28 RBIs in spring training. And after one of his spring training blasts, uh, legendary Met announcer Ralph Kiner once noted, if Reggie Jackson is Mr. October and Dave Winfield is Mr. May, then Darren Reed is Mr. March. But with the Mets a win-now organization, with all of those stars on the roster, Reed never really broke through in 88, 89, 90, and never got to experience opening day as a Met or in Major League Baseball for that matter. He finally did get the call up to the majors in early 1990, making its Major League debut on May 1st, striking out as a pinch hitter in a 5-2 loss to the Braves. He got his first big league hit a week later at Shea Stadium, blooping a double off of Mark Thurmond of the Giants down the left field line, just out of the reach of a diving Kevin Mitchell, who we were probably already wishing we still had in left field instead of Kevin McReynolds. And there you go, already two years after acquiring Darren Reed, I had grown cynical about the Mets and their organization and their moves and their machinations. That turns quickly, my friends. Reed only spent two weeks with the team in May of 1990, garnering two starts and a few pinch-hitting appearances. I couldn't figure it out, but I'm presuming someone went on the DL, came off the 15-day DL, and Reed got sent back down. And if he was frustrated by the demotion and the lack of playing time in the majors, he took it out on AAA, 
pitching as he was returned to the tides and continued to produce solid numbers, still just 24, still potentially a prospect with a future. Uh, he hit 265 with 17 homers, 74 RBIs, and 16 stolen bases in 104 games in AAA. And again, just to note that strong arm, he had 19 assists uh, from the outfield, largely in right field in AAA. Reed did eventually get called back up in August and spent August through the end of the year as more or less the last man on the bench of a veteran team, making unbeknownst to us fans, but announced to us now, a last gasp run at glory, a last pennant run, as the 1990 Mets were embroiled in a pennant race, this time with the nascent Pittsburgh Pirates. Reed was on the bench as the Mets battled the Pirates, got to within one and a half games of Pittsburgh after taking both games of a two-game series with the Pirates on September 12th and 13th, uh, but that was as close as the Mets would get to catching Pittsburgh. The young player would actually struggle mightily as a pinch hitter, going 0 for 7 in his pinch hitting appearances down the stretch as the Mets watched the Pirates slowly pull away and clinch the division, rendering a final three-game series in Pittsburgh with the Pirates meaningless as the Pirates clinched the division a couple of days beforehand. Once the division was lost, Reed actually played every day and had his best little four-game burst as a Met, or perhaps in the majors, going 6-for-16 over those last four games, five of those hits being extra base hits, including his only home run as a Met in the season's final game at Shea Stadium against the Cubs, a 6-to-5 loss on September 30th of 1990. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Well, 1990 might have been a lost year for Reed in the majors. He were not a particularly successful one. He did make his major league debut, and the future potentially looked brighter for him, or at least might lead to some opportunity uh, as one of the large reasons the 1990 marked the last year of the Met not quite dynasty is that it was pretty accepted knowledge at the end of the 1990 season that Daryl Strawberry was likely not going to resign with the Mets as a free agent and the young young Reed 
as a right field prospect with power potential and a good arm seemed like a logical possibility to replace him in 1991 out and right. Unfortunately for Darren, the Mets really went all in on the veteran presences in that 1990 offseason, uh, which saw Daryl Strawberry sign with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, rather than entrust the role to a young player, you know, the Mets still saw themselves as contenders and signed Vince Coleman and Hubie Brooks, guaranteeing them both outfield spots and kind of leaving Reed on the outside looking in, coming into 91 once again in spring training without seeming to have a clear role on the team. However, as any king, as any true king of spring training would, Reed once again had a solid spring training in 1991 and felt like for once he was going to make the major league roster at least, if not as a starter. And just days before the start of that 91 season, Reed got called into manager Bud Harrelson's office, expecting to receive news that he had made the opening day roster, only to learn that he had been traded just before the start of the season to the Montreal Expos. And lest you think I'm the only one who thought of Darren Reed as the king of spring training, the South Florida Sun Sentinel headline about the trade reads, in total, Mets deal spring phenom Reed to Expos. So it was noticed, uh, Darren Reed's spring training successes. The full trade was Reed and infielder Al Diaz for outfielder Terrell Hansen and right-handed pitcher David Summer, uh, neither of whom, as far as I know, would even qualify for an unformidable. But if anyone out there has strong feelings about either of those prospects, please do let me know. From the Mets' perspective, Reed was out of options, and apparently the team brass, or enough of the team brass, preferred Mark Carrion to Reed as a backup outfielder option for the 91 team. And apparently uh, Hansen was considered an outstanding prospect in the Montreal organization. Uh, He had himself put up Darren Reed-esque numbers in AA, 24 homers and 83 RBIs, although he peaked at AAA and never made it to play on the Mets. Uh, For Reed, though, it actually looked like it could be a good opportunity uh, he, the Expos acquired him with the intention of platooning him in right field with another young outfielder by the name of, unfortunately for Darren Reed, Larry Walker. At the time of the trade, uh, Frank Cashin said, I always said you put Darren Reed in an outfield and let him play regularly, he would be a good player. There just wasn't any room in, the outf- in this outfield, said the man who had just acquired Vince Coleman. But unfortunately for Reed, just days after the trade, uh, he was back in his old hunting grounds of Port St. Lucie, where facing Met pitcher Alejandro Pena uh, this in his second spring at bat for the Montreal Expos, and Aaron Pitch from Reed's former teammate hit him in the wrist, breaking it and costing Reed the entire season. And as you might imagine, Larry Walker took that opportunity and ran with it as his Hall of Fame career got off to a solid start. Walker hit 290 on the se- for the season in 137 games, really kickstarting that Hall of Fame career. And when Reed was healthy and returned to the Expo the following spring, the opportunity for playing time that 
seemed there for about one or two days in spring training of 1991 had simply vanished. And you know what Darren Reed did in response? He took his frustration out on opposing pitchers in spring training, what he did best. In 92 spring training with the Expos, Darren Reed hit four homers, had eight RBIs and 33 spring at-bats, putting himself back in conversation for a role on the big league roster. Uh, An injury caused him to miss opening day, but he eventually made it back to the Expos and the Majors in May. Unfortunately, he struggled hitting 173 over 42 games with the Expos and eventually had a standoff with Expos management when they wanted to reassign him to the minors and Reed did not want to report, which led the organization to trade him to the Minnesota Twins on August 31st, 1992. After his 42 games and 81 at-bats with the Expos in 92, Reed appeared in 14 more games for the Twins from August 31st to the end of the year, garnering 33 more Major League at-bats. Those would sadly be the last Major League at-bats Reed would log in his Major League career, though it would not be the end of his journey as a Major League player or with a Major League organization. Uh, as he would come full circle and come back into the Met organization. The Mets reacquired Reed before the 93 season with Jerry Hunsicker, then the vice president for baseball operations, saying that he would be a needed power source off the bench. So Reed came back home, well, not his original home, but I'll always think of as his home with the Mets. And this time in 1993, he had a very nondescript pedestrian spring training. Perhaps doing the opposite would work. Perhaps he decided to do the George Costanza, do the opposite, and he'd finally have a stellar regular season. I don't know. But just before the end of spring training, on March 28th, uh, during a game against the Braves at West Palm Beach, Reed fatefully caught his cleats in the batter's box, starting towards first base on a spring training hit, and injured his hamstring very badly. Uh, Turned out, eventually it was discovered that he tore the hamstring tendon completely, although that was not discovered right away. Reed spent the entire 93 season rehabbing this uh, torn hamstring, and of course the Mets had a horrible 1993, as we have covered in many unformidables and has been covered in books by people more eloquent than I. But at any rate, uh, Dallas Green, a managerial pinhead who replaced Jeff Torborg, also a managerial pinhead, uh, after the 93 team lost 25 of their first 38 games, didn't buy the severity of Reed's injury, which sounds very fitting in a Dallas Green, crabby, angry old white dude, old school way, and rode Reed very hard. And according to uh, an interview with Reed, uh, he and Dallas Green actually got into a fight at one point that Jerry Hunsicker had to break up. But that hamstring injury cost Reed all of 1993, and perhaps no surprise, after all of that kerfluffle, Reed did not come back to the Met organization, but he did have one last March ride in 1994. Uh, he signed with the Pittsburgh Pirates in the offseason and went 3-for-10 in spring training with the Pirates over nine games, all three of those hits, home runs. But it wasn't enough to make the team. 
and Reed was reassigned to the Pirates minor league camp on March 19th, so he wasn't going to make the major league roster, and his leg problems resurfaced. Uh, he began the year in, on the DL in Buffalo in the Pirates organization, and then later in the year he re-injured himself stepping into a hole, and the Pirates released him after that DL stint. Reed tried to fight his way back. He finished 1994 in the Mexican League and spent 1995 in AAA Richmond in the Braves organization and 1996 in the Independent Northern League where he tried to reinvent himself as a third baseman, but he ruptured his Achilles while playing in the Northern League and finally decided to call it a career. And for that career, Reed appeared in a total of 82 Major League games, 26 of them at the New York Met, 42 for the Montreal Expos, and 14 for the Minnesota Twins in 1990 and 1992, losing 91 and a lot of other years around there or afterwards, largely to injury and lack of opportunity. Overall, he had a batting average of 183 with six home runs and 16 runs batted in. He recorded a negative 0.7 war, according to baseball reference in his 153 major league at-bats, hitting 183, having a 606 OPS and a 68 OPS plus. And he actually had his best numbers as a mesh in 1990 in those 39 at-bats, uh, largely thanks to that four-game stretch uh, once the season was decided at the end of 1990, he hit 205 as a Met, uh, 262 on base percentage, 463 slugging, uh, good for a 698 OPS and an 89 OPS plus, and a 0.4 war. Uh, his brief time in Montreal and Minnesota was even less productive, uh, although obviously and unfortunately for Darren Reed, very small sample size that was a career and who knows uh you know I, I, I suspect he probably wouldn't have been quite the elite prospect some of those numbers showed if he there was more scrutiny and more coverage of the minor leagues but probably in a different organization uh that wasn't top heavy and star driven and trying to win pennants year after year in the mid to late 80s into 1990, Reed might have gotten more of an opportunity and might have been able to show more in a large sample size uh, before injury got in his way. Despite appearing in only 82 major league games, Reed did play 791 minor league games. He hit 281 with 90 homers and 381 RBIs. Uh, you know, just never quite got the chance or never developed beyond that quadruple-A player, or we'll never quite know. He even pitched one inning for the Richmond Braves in 1995 in AAA, did not give up a run, so that strong arm never went away either, at least while he was playing baseball. After his retirement, Reed bought 150 acres of land in Kentucky and got into farming, but the injuries that started in his athletic career continued to dog him, and at the age of 51, he had to undergo a pretty dangerous dual hip replacement surgery, uh, which he fortunately recovered from. He did eventually uh, lease out the property, move back to California with his wife Gloria and his son Hunter, although he does hope to return to Kentucky one day. Darren Reed unfortunately never got the opportunity to shine in the major leagues, but he did get his proverbial cup of coffee, and he and we 
will always have Port St. Lucie and his wonderful spring training exploits and the promise, the hope that they once represented. And hopefully we'll all have spring training or some form thereof as soon as it's reasonably safely possible to have it again. Thank you, as always, for listening to Unformidable. Please go to amazonavenue.com for more Mets-related content. Follow Amazon Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find this and all of our amazing pods wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, leave us a review. It really helps. Original music by Bunga. I'm on Twitter at WolfRR, W-O-L-F-F-R-R, and the show is at Unformidable. Thank you. Be safe, and sometime soon, let's go Mets. <laughs>